0: Visit chrissawyeranny maccom Email him at csawyer at or give him a call. 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345. Corporate NMLS number 338923. Mac Home Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC. DBA, Mac Home Mortgage. Lo-Fi Direct. Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent. License Lender. Broker number ML 338923. Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker. License Number MC 338923. Rhode Island License Lender. License Number 20112810. L. call for additional details. pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it
1: is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not. They're even close to the best organization in baseball.
2: They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees.
1: Welcome to Sports Talk with Rj I am Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got the matchup we all wanted in the final four. We got Duke and North Carolina in Coach K's last year. I mean, this is going to be really exciting. This is a matchup where you know a couple months ago we never thought this was even going to be possible to have these, to have this matchup. But Duke uh, ran through the West Region. I mean, they 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 uh, they had tough games with Texas Tech and uh, Michigan State, but they were able to beat Arkansas convincingly and North Carolina. And I knew when they got when they got. Into that region with Baylor, I knew when they I knew when they got. Was that the South Region, right in North Carolina? It's the, yeah. uh, the East Region, the, East Region, the east, yeah. east Region. When they got that East Region with Baylor, I knew, I knew they had a shot to beat Baylor. And once they got to the Sweet Sixteen, you knew they had a shot to make a run to the Final Four. They definitely benefited from St. Peter's pulling that upset, and then then they, and then they, and then they beat UCLA in the Sweet Sixteen. But then they ended up beat, beating St. Peter's. They're in the Final Four. The big question, Justin, is 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 Saturday night going to be the biggest college basketball game of our lifetimes? And it might be the biggest college basketball game of all time. I think it is because of the storylines. I think because this is Coach K's last game. It's Duke, North Carolina. Duke, North Carolina is the game that, even if you're just a casual college basketball fan, you watch. Now the stakes are this high. We've never had Duke and North Carolina play with the stakes this high. So that's why I think this is the biggest college basketball game of our lifetime. But, Justin, is it?
2: Yeah, no, I with I'm with you. I think it is as well. Yeah, Duke North Carolina, first time they're ever playing a tournament. This is the last rodeo here for Coach K. This could be it for him on Saturday night. Um, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, it's one of the biggest rivalries of all sports. You kind of, you know, obviously in college sports, it's North Carolina Duke in college basketball. It's 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 one of the best. It's two fan bases that, you know, very passionate, that have deep college basketball history, that cannot stand one another. And yeah, Saturday night with these two going at it, it's it's probably going to be the best game, college basketball game so far of our lifetime. Uh, with yeah, with all the storylines and with it, um, it, it hopefully is going to be a really, really good game.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think I, I think it's going to be a really, really close game between these two teams. But before we predict the game, we'll get into some of the keys to the game uh, for both teams. And and but first, we'll talk about if we're surprised if North Carolina got to the Final Four. For me. Uh, I am, because I saw them uh, two months ago against Duke. They looked the furthest thing from a Final Four team. Yes, they pulled the big upset in Cameron on, uh, on, uh, on that last Saturday of the regular season. But then they lose to Virginia Tech in the semis of the ACC tournament. I know their bracket worked for them, getting Baylor. I think that really helped them getting Baylor. But I am still surprised that this North Carolina team did get to the Final Four.
2: Yeah, I am too. Now, I always thought they had the talent to be a Final Four team. They just underachieved all season, especially in the ACC that was just so down this year. I thought them and Duke should have been, like, the two dominant teams. It should have just ran away. But, yeah, you know, you mentioned they got blown out of Duke at home. I think they lost by 25 to, or 30 at Wake Forest. They gave up 100 points to Wake Forest. You know, Miami blew them out by, like, 28. Like, they, you know, there were some really, really stinkers in there for North Carolina. They never really put it together. And, you know, you just got a guy like Brady Manick and – you know, RJ Davis played well. Caleb Love has played well. They've just caught fire, and that's kind of what you need in the in the tournament. And I do, you know, I think Hubert Davis doing a little bit better of a job. I, You know, again, it, this could to be like an Ollie situation where it's like his assistant coaches are running the show because I and I don't really know his assistant coaches well enough to kind of you know know what they're all about and all that, but. Yeah, you know, I think he's doing a little bit of a better job. You mentioned, too, with the bracket. Yeah, Baylor's just banged up all season. They almost blew a 25-point lead. You know, UCLA, they held on against. And then, yeah, they benefited greatly from Purdue and Matt Painter absolutely just choking once again. And, you know, they they got away with it. So, yeah, their bracket, um, they were able to kind of get away with it with kind of everything that went their way. And, yeah, here they are. And, again, Coach K's final season, I'm not surprised that, it was thrown this way, and that this matchup is happening.
1: Yeah, everything's falling in line for Coach K. Yeah. Gonzaga losing in the West Region, Purdue Purdue losing before they played North Carolina. It's it's in, and now Duke playing North Carolina for for the uh, in, in the in the national semi. And then in the other semi, you got Kansas and Villanova. And guess who Coach K beat in his first for his first national title? Kansas. He beat Kansas thirty one years ago. So it's against all Roy. and against Roy, yeah, against Roy, yeah. But it's it's all setting up. And I think everything's setting up in Duke's favor. So yeah, so yeah, I, I think it's really setting up in Duke's favor. But before we talk about Duke, we'll talk about what North Carolina has to do to win this game. What's what's the biggest thing North Carolina has to, has to do to win the game? And uh, in my opinion, their guards have to play really, really well in the game. Uh, I mean, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love—they have to play really well because in the game they lost uh, at in Chapel Hill, they only combined to score 19 points. In the game they won at Cameron. They scored a combined 43 points, and obviously Caleb Love had that huge game in the Sweet 16 against UCLA. RJ Davis had that humongous game in the second round against against Baylor. So I think the guards are the key, and Brady, and again, and also Brady Manic has to play really well again. Brady Manick has been great against Duke all year. I think he's had two games where he scored over 20 points against Duke. I think Brady Manick has to play really well again. That's what I that's that's what I think North Carolina North Carolina has to do to win the game, Justin. What do you think North Carolina has to do to win this game?
2: Yeah, their guards are, you know, Davis and Love and Brady Manic, those three have to continue to kind of be uh um, forces offensively for him, be able to put points. For me, I think it's uh Mario Baycott, the big guy down low. I think if he could get if he could stay on the floor and stay out of foul trouble and he's gonna be able to defend, you know, Mark Williams, because Mark Williams kind of been doing whatever he wants in this in this tournament so far. He's gotta go up against a guy like Brady Manic, who's gonna be as physical with him, uh, he's gonna be as strong as him. You know, Baycott. Had, I know it's against St. Peter. The guy still had 22 rebounds, which is really impressive. I think, he had, you know, he's he just tremendous rebound, tremendous finisher. I think they need Baycott to stay on the floor in this game. They want a chance. They do because um, they're gonna have to, you know, because what Duke's kind of been doing is a penetration, feeding it off the Mark Williams. You know, if Baycott can stay on the floor. That's gonna be a difficult uh, thing to be able to kind of go back to every time because Baycott is physically strong enough to uh, defend that.
1: And I think you made a great point with Baycock because we know in domes, because this will be played at the Mercedes-Benz, we played at the Superdome. It's tougher to shoot in domes. That's why post play, especially into the Final Four, is actually very important. If you can get, if you could have an inside game, and yeah, say Baycock gets out of, gets into foul trouble, and and Carolina has a rough night shooting the ball, there's no way they're going to win. It's the other way around too. Say uh, Baycock does a good job containing uh, Mark Williams, and uh, Duke struggles to shoot the ball. And but but even though Duke has problems with like Carroll, can get to the basket. Still, I, I, I think if they can't shoot well and, they, and Carolina can contain Mark Williams, uh, the, the North Carolina has a good chance to win. So that was a really good point with Armando Bacot because uh, because interior scoring, I feel like, is big, especially in the Final Four.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That was a point I to bring up late, especially for game number two. Yeah, because usually you see that both teams kind of struggle in this Final Four. They're just not yet. Yeah, the, the domes are not used to playing in, in front of, like, I think what, say Ben holds, like, 75, 80,000. They're not used to type of, you know, arena's that big it's just yeah you, you you know you've seen it a lot in the final four especially in like the first halves of games guys just kind of just struggle to shoot so yeah I completely agree the, the the post play is going to be crucial both teams got great big guys they're going to be able to um yeah they're both they're going to have to be able to stay on the floor finish down low get offensive rebounds try to get some second chance points yeah at, at, you know that's going to be a huge key in this game and you know with and being a being with how both teams kind of know each other a lot, it's going to be physical down low. So, you know, getting in the line. You know, it depends how they're calling the game now. There's two really bad refs in the Final Four I saw. So, it, it, James mm-hmm. Green, mm-hmm.
1: Green, wow, Green wow,
2: wow. from the UConn Villanova game, and then Bo Borowski who does a lot of Big Ten games, which he's not. He does not get a lot of um, compliments from the coaches as well. So, there's two very poor officials. I don't know what game they're doing, but that is something to keep. Are eye on too with the fouls and all that and kind of physicality down low?
1: Absolutely. 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 So for Duke, I think the biggest thing for them is obviously I think Ben Caro is going to have a good game. He's a great player, but they're going to need two out of their four other guys in that rotation. They kind of have like a, they pretty much have a six man, seven man rotation, but they really have six guys who could score. So two of those four guys got to, got to have, got to have good games. Either Wendell Moore, uh, Mark Williams, uh, AJ Griffin, or Trevor Keels. Two of those four have to have a good game. They need like three consistent scores, I feel like, to win this game. Also, they got to contain Brady Manic. Brady Manic has been really, really has been destroying them. He destroyed them the first two games. They need to contain Brady Manic. And also, I add another point for Duke. They got to try to contain Armando Bacot. If they can contain Armando Bacot, I think that I think as we said, that I think North Carolina is going to have a really really hard time winning the game because they're going to have to rely on their shooting. And in a final four, you don't want to completely rely on your shooting. You want to have an inside game. And, but just but Justin, what is your key to Duke winning this game?
2: Yeah, my key for Duke is, yeah, you know, scoring-wise, I think, you know, as you mentioned, yeah, they need two of those four, you know, more kills, big Williams, to have big days. You know, and also, like, I think a guy like Jeremy Roach, who's played really well in the tournament. You know, he's been a guy that's kind of emerged at that guard spot, which they've kind of needed. They've kind of missed that point guard really all year, and I thought it was one of their flaws, and he's really helped them out in the tournament. I think he needs to continue to play well in this game. Um, right now, I think down –
1: we got Jared taking uh, UNC and the points. I could see that happening. I think they're it's a four and a half. Four I'm pretty half. sure four and a half. The uh, Duke's a four and a half point favorite. I could definitely see UNC winning the game. The way UNC has played late in the season, I definitely could see. Could, I definitely could see that could see that happen, especially covering. I very easily could see them covering. Mm. Maybe not winning, but covering that four point spread. It very easily could be under four points. I definitely could see them covering.
2: Yeah, I could too. You know, I, North Carolina's won 16 in the last 19 now. Down the stretch here, so they played really good basketball, you know, February, March. I know they kind of had that sinker against Virginia Tech, but since then they they played really well. I mean, they destroyed Marquette. They played really well against Baylor for the first, you know, 30, 36 minutes or so. Yeah, you know, I could totally see North Carolina, you know, covering this game. Possibly even when it It's a rivalry game, it's a Final Four. You never know. Again, you know, we mentioned, too, with the Dome shooting-wise, you could have a bad day. And North Carolina kind of takes advantage of that. Um, but yeah, going back to the points for mine as well. You know, Mark Williams got to stay out of foul trouble because Theo John has really struggled. And another kind of going back to you know post play, with Theo John's in there, it is much easier to score on Duke when Theo John's in there to get um, you know finishing around the rim. Jerry's kind of, or, or take UNC to win out right then. Hedge the bet; it'll be close enough at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think both those bets would be good bets.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because that it should be a toss-up, um, and yeah, being a rivalry game, it should be really, really close. But yeah, with Theo John too down low, he struggled per, um, interior defensively. I think that's something where if he's on the floor a lot because Mark Williams is in foul trouble, I think that could really hurt Duke in this game. And North Carolina could be able to finish around the room a lot or get to the line. So I think it's another one. Mark Williams got to stay on the floor. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. And then number three for Duke, I think it just continue to play relaxed. They yeah, you've really seen that the last you know pretty much since they've entered to the tournament. They've it's been a different team. They've played a lot. Like it seems like everything's kind of just been lifted off their shoulders. They got to continue to play like that again. It's going to be a whole different environment. I think the teams arrived last night, so it's like it, it's you know today, tomorrow, Friday. If all media, it's all talking about this. You kind of just got to stay level headed till then and. Kind of just, just continue to play relaxed. It's, it, they they really have the last few weeks, but again, they come out play tight Saturday night. It's going to be very, very tough to beat the North Carolina team because, again, they would love to bring down Duke and kind of be the finisher of, of Mike Krzyzewski and his career. But, again, they're an eighty There's not, you know, there's not really a lot of pressure on them. I, I guess, you know, I guess there is somewhat because, you know, um, to try to knock out Coach K here, but – Really, you know, Duke's got all kind of the pressure on them right now, and they just got to continue to play relaxed.
1: Yeah, but you talk about how they've been a different team in this tournament and they haven't had had the pressure on them, as much pressure on them as they did in the regular season. I'm, I'm thinking now that pressure might be coming back, knowing that all the hype this game is getting, Duke North Carolina potentially being Coach K's last game. You saw what happened when Duke was under a ton of pressure on that last game at Cameron. Could that happen again?
2: I could possibly see it, especially if this thing gets close, especially if this thing kind of the closer North Carolina is. Again, I have to imagine every Kansas and, and Villanova play, person, well, I get, but whoever wants that Kansas nova game games, whoever still sit in that building is probably be voting for North Carolina, you know, because usually you're a Duke fan or you hate Duke. So everybody's probably in that building is going to be voting for North Carolina inside Duke. And I know there's going to be a ton of Duke fans there, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, you know, I think the closer that gets, the tighter this thing gets. Yeah, you know, again, North Carolina's got some veteran guys in there. Caleb Love, you know, uh, Baycott's a junior, senior. You know, R.J. Davis, a junior. Um, Leakey Black's a senior. Duke, you know, they got a lot of freshmen in there. You know, I know Mark Williams is a sophomore. But you got a Ben Carroll in there. You know, Roach Roach and Keels are freshmen. Like, you know, it's, it's freshmen. Again, you never kind of know with them. So, yeah, the closest thing gets, the tighter I think Duke could get in this game and, Again, that could cost them for a team in North Carolina. It's kind of just, I think, playing really with house money.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and as an eighth seed, you're playing with house money. If you're Duke, I mean, this is Coach K's last game. You don't want Coach K's last game being a loss in North Carolina. I'd argue you wouldn't. I mean, it's, it's gonna be tough either way. But would you? Would you? If you're Duke, would you rather lose in the national title or lose this game?
2: That's tough. <sighs> <sighs> I've heard to say Monday. I, I'm just saying because of the rivalry, the way that got a feel I know losing the national championship game stinks, but the losing to North Carolina ended, it. At least yeah. you can go out and say, "Okay, I beat North Carolina." I don't. I, I think Monday may be worse because it's just it's North Carolina you lost to. So.
1: Yeah, probably, probably. I, you mean you mean Saturday? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I probably, I probably would think that. So, so for the game, we, I, I think in this game, I think this is a cl- really close. Really competitive game. But I think the difference in this game is North Carolina is a really good team, but they don't have a player like Paulo Bencaro. And I think Paulo Bencaro is going to be the difference in this game. And that's why I have Duke winning. And I got, and I got Duke advancing to the, to the national championship game Monday night. I think Paulo Bencaro was a big game. And I do think two of those four guys that I mentioned have a big game too. That's why I got Duke advancing to Monday night advancing to Monday night. And having Coach K's last game. B and having Coach K's last game beat – having Coach K play for a national championship in his last game. But Justin, can North Carolina beat Duke for the second time this year?
2: I got Duke this time. I, I think I I think they win this thing close. Yeah, I, I think you need to mention Paul Bancaro, I think, makes a difference this game. I think Mark Williams does stay off of all trouble. He makes a he makes a difference inside. He's able to finish. I think Jeremy Roach once again plays well. I'm um, this will not, you know again i have to give coach k credit coach k looks like he's actually having fun coaching i think what last series is the first time i've ever seen him smile he's, he's making adjustments first time in a while i i think because of that he probably out davis in this game he'll make the right adjustments more than more so than than uh davis will but it will be interested my last thing in this game i think you know a lot of bulletin board material too with the way um Duke didn't like that North Carolina did not honor Coach K at Chapel Hill, which I think is ridiculous. I don't think they should have honored him. I don't – but
1: – Oh, you don't think he should – should, he, should, he should honor Coach K everywhere.
2: No. Okay. Do you think – because I thought of – because, you know, if I was a Duke fan, I would have been mad last year you honored Roy Williams. And they would have been the –
1: God, like, it's Coach K. <laughs> you, you got to honor I mean? the guy. He's the greatest it's coach in college Murray. basketball. He's the greatest coach in college basketball. you got to honor him
2: so he as a arch rival not honor again i i wouldn't you know i i would not i would never want syracuse to honor jim calhoun i would never want vice versa with jim Beheim. i don't think you should yeah That's but jim Bayheim,
1: let's be honest jim Beheim is not coach k okay yeah no, I, I, would know. Want you, just... I wouldn't want you kind of honor honor jim Beheim, but coach k outside of john wood is the greatest coach in the history of college basketball
2: yeah i'm saying like i i to have meant this at the beginning. Like, if Jim Boeheim was like coach, it was Mike Krzyzewski, they, you kind have honored him. And the same thing with the like Calhoun to Syracuse. Like, I, I would not want that. I don't even really want that as a fan. That's why I don't understand why Duke was so mad about it. But then also, and Duke kind of retaliated by not shaking North Carolina's hands after the game at Cameron Indoor, as the final one. So, so a lot of bulletin board material. And Mike Co- and Coach K said too after that in his speech of, um, uh, this loss was unacceptable. And again, I, I think that's, it was kind of taking a shot at North Carolina. Like it, it, it's a robbery game. You know, it, it's, I know North Carolina was kind of down, down here at that point, but it's also motivation for North Carolina. Like, okay. You know, he kind of talked that was a bad loss. And I, I think North Carolina's probably had that audio on, Like, you know, probably going to have that audio on a week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It should, it should be a great game. It should be a great game to see these two teams in the Final Four. This is definitely something college basketball needs. If college can't, basketball can't get a big rating uh, a Saturday night and then if Duke wins, can't get a big big rating Monday night, the sport is in huge trouble because they should they should get great ratings for both games, seeing the storylines going into both games.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, I didn't see last week in Zomberts, but I know it was up 11 12% from, like, 2019 the tournament was up. So the energy was there, and I, I absolutely – would be stunned to see if the numbers were not great for college basketball on Saturday night. I, I think with those two, and again, you have four blue bloods. That, that's the other, you got, and I will talk about that game, but you, you got two more blue bloods. And so I think it just makes it so much more appealing that you have four really teams that everybody knows and, you know, that just has great history. I think it's in health of sport. So, yeah, I, I think the numbers should be fine. It's probably going to be one of the better final four numbers. Viewing wise, we've had in a
1: while. It has to be. It has to be. If it's, if it's not if – if these ratings are not really good, the sport – especially Saturday night, and then if Duke wins Monday, the sport is in big, big trouble. But there is another game on Saturday with two great programs too as Villanova and Kansas go up against each other. And uh, I think – I think this the, the big question going into this game is the loss of Justin Moore. How big is the loss of Justin Moore going to be for Villanova? And I think it's going to be big. I think for, for two reasons why. The first reason, and probably one of the one of the most important reasons, reasons is really going to hurt their depth. Philadelphia pretty much plays six guys, and now Caleb Daniel is going to have to come up. Uh, is going to now have to start. So they're really, they're really going to they're really only going to be able to play five guys in a game where in a game where I didn't love this matchup either. Even if if Justin Moore was playing, I still would pick Kansas. But I, I think that this is going to be a big loss because of their depth. Number two, their three point shooting. I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to get enough three point shooting with them with him out. I, I know Jay Wright is great, and I would take him over Bill Self any day of the week, but I just think on paper, I mean, Kansas is just a better team. But, Justin, before we get into the game, I'll ask you this. How big of a loss to you is Justin Moore?
2: Yeah, it's a big loss. You know, he, He's been a really good player getting to junior. You kind of know the over way here and kind of the leaders that they have. you know, you still got a guy like Colin Gillespie, but Moore is kind of um, that big kind of shooting guard for him. You know, he's missed a couple games this year. Like, you know, he missed a UConn game. They still put up 85 against UConn. You know, Archie Diakono played well. They're going to have to have a, go, a couple guys step up. But yeah, it's a big loss. You know, it's a team. He's a, you know, he's a good three-point shooter. You know, he's averaged 15 points on the year. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's been a leader. And, yeah, you know, you talk about that. They don't have a ton of it. Um, when we kind of get into it, I'll talk about the two guys that I, I think are going to kind of have a chance to come off the bench here and play well. But, yeah, it's it's a depth thing. Jay Wright's a great coach. Again, you know, look what happened last year at Kong Everybody wrote them off, thought Winthrop was going to beat them. And then they pretty much gave Baylor a game for the first 20 minutes, you know, and that was the most really anybody gave Baylor in that NCAA tournament last year. So, you know, I, I give – with a week to prepare for this game, I, I do think Nova keeps us in close – but, yeah, I think Moore's a big loss here. But, again, with Jay Wright, I think he, he's he got a week to weak the game plan for this. You know, I think they'll figure something out. I won't be totally shocked if Nova knocks off Kansas.
1: Yeah, because of the coach and because, because of how good Jay Wright is. And what how do you feel like – what do you feel like Jay Wright is going to do to contain this Kansas team?
2: You know, um, defensively, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting because I know um, the Sweet 16 game, they kind of had Dixon on Dickerson for a little bit, and then they kind of went Samuels there for a while. Again, he was like, you know, I was in one of his interviews yesterday. He was like, look, I thought we did a pretty good job on Hunter Dickerson. Even though he had 15 and 15, I still thought we did a pretty good job on him. And I thought they did too, you know, and I, you know, it weird. you know, I didn't feel like Dickerson had 15 points, 15 rebounds, but he did. You know, I think, you know, defensively it's to be tough. You know, Dixon's 6'8", you know, McCormick's going to be like 6'10", 6'11". Kansas is a little bit bigger. Jalen Wilson's 6'8", the power forward spot. Um you know, so that, you know, so for Samuels, if it starts out with him, but I, yeah, I think they're going to try to make Kansas shoot. And again, as we talked about the last game with these domes, Kansas could, you know, shoot two for like 17, the first half and three something like that. It's not crazy. I know the Nova may shoot that as well, but again, like it, if there's a lot of missed points, Nova can slow this thing down. Nova can keep this thing, you know, in the slow 60s, something like that. I think Nova's got a chance. I think, you know, for, what he's going to try to do, you know, against um, Kansas defensively it do what he usually does try to take the mismatch. And I think that's going to be David McCormick's perimeter defense. Try to make him go one-on-one with a Gillespie or another guard or Daniels and, and you know, try to get that mismatch and get to the lane and finish. And that's what Villain wants to do. They want to, they want to throw They want to get to the paint. They want to throw their elbows around. They're going to need to draw a foul. They're going to finish it around the, the, the rim. And I think that's kind of what Nova's going to do They, they attack your weakness and, that's you know that's why they've been so successful over the years
1: exactly exactly so for the game for me i know jay wright is better than bill self but i just think bill self clearly is the better team i just think and i think the size is an advantage too because i don't think villanova i mean i i don't think villanova is gonna i think if villanova struggles to shoot the ball they're gonna be the team in the final four that will hurt them the most if they can't shoot the ball they're not gonna win if they're not if they can't shoot the ball they will definitely won't win because they don't have the ins they don't have the they don't, have, they don't have the inside game. They're going to need to score more than – really score like 50 points against Houston. They're going to score. Right. They need to score a lot more points than that if they're going to beat Kansas. And I just think Kansas is you – know, they have one of the best players – I mean, Ajabi is one of the best players in the country. I mean, Remy Martin has been really good coming off the bench. David McCormick is, is going to be he's, – he's done a really good job in the tournament too. I just think Kansas is clearly the better team. That's why I got them advanced, advancing to the national championship game to face Duke Monday night. So it'll be Coach K – Facing his former team, no, no, Coach mm-hmm. K facing his the team he, he, he faced in his for his first national title in his in his last game in his in his last game. So I got Kansas headed to the national title, but Justin can Nova overcome the loss of Justin Moore and get to their third national title game in six years.
2: If Justin Moore's healthy, I'd pick Nova, but without him, I just I just see it too big a uphill climb. Caleb Daniels, a Tulane transfer, he's from New Orleans. You know, he again. He, with some of these tournament storylines, I wouldn't be shocked if he comes out here and it puts up 30 in the Final Four, being his hometown. You know, it would not surprise me. I got to imagine he's going to have a ton of family, and friends on hand. So I think he could have a big day for him, you know, and two guys that I think could possibly step up for Nova is a guy like Brandon Antoine that they're going to need. He's a former five-star prospect, but the last three years has really struggled. He's like a lengthy kind of shooting guard um to get to the bucket like he's a guy that really not played much at all this year but they're probably gonna have to lean on off the bench and then um another guy in Trey Patterson who's a five-star freshman he hasn't played much at all either but like he's got kind of these five-star guys that you know kind of know the rule coming in and that you know freshman year you may not play a lot you know Antoine just it's just been injuries he's you know sounds like he's gonna be a really talented player if he could ever kind of get healthy this may be that coming out party for him that kind of gets him going and I think Colin Gillespie He's been more passive, and I know in probably Kansas, that's going to be the number one option shut down. But I think he's got to be more aggressive scoring-wise. Again, I know he can be passive, and he can get 9, 10 assists and kind of make everyone else around him better. And that's what makes him such a good point guard. But I think they're going to need him to score in this game. You know, they're going to need him and Daniels, you know, Samuels to score. And, you know, over in the last – since 2016, in the tournament at 20-3, you know, they know how to win. You know, you know Jay Wright knows how to win when he gets here. Um but for the Jayhawks, yeah, um, Ochai Abaji. really besides that one half or the second half last week against um, Miami, he really hasn't had that great of a tournament. Yeah,
1: but he's getting hot at the right time. Yeah, yeah. He's getting hot at the right time.
2: Yeah, and I think that's what they need, you know, because Remy Martin was really being kind of the, the – was really carrying him. Christian Brown's been playing really well. He's been shooting the ball well. David McCormick, when he's in double figures, they're 44-9. You know, Kansas, yeah, I think, you know, inside they're going to want to try to establish that. Try to get, you know, because again, shooting wise, it may not, you know, may not fall for them early on in this game. You know, if they can attack them, get no in some foul trouble, especially get Dixon or, or Samuels, where they don't really have any, you know, kind of forward depth outside of, you know, the only really guy coming off the bench is Patterson this game. Um, you know, could be Pat. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if Kansas could get them in foul trouble. I think it's going to be a huge key in this game. But yeah, I think Kansas just has a little bit more. Then then um, the Nova, I just, you know, I, I don't know how Ke- Villanova can keep this can keep this pace at what they want. I, you know, I think Jay radium said yesterday that this is the fastest team they play ball all year. and It'll be a test to try to slow them down. I just I don't know how they're going
1: to be able to do it in this game. So we both have Duke and Kansas in the national title game. So for Monday night, I got Coach K winning the national championship in his final game. Uh, with the with you could you, you probably with this I got the storybook ending I got Coach K beating Kansas to win the national title in his final game so coach for me Coach K's final win will be winning a national title Justin do you have Coach K finishing his career with a national title?
2: Unfortunately, I, do. Oh, I just I I can't see Bill Self beating him. I no. can't see Bill Self being the guy that stands in his way. Um, I think you know because again I just don't think this is the most Kansas most talented team at Kansas either. You know, and I I think that's the thing. And kind of things broke their way in his bracket form. And I I think with Ben Carroll, that Duke team, again, maybe you just knocked off North Carolina Saturday night. And, you know, you kind of big spot. Who knows, you know, close game and all that. You know, maybe a little flat early, but no, I just – Again, I Bill Salva, I think, think's a t- horrible coach. He
1: draws us some. really horrible. I wasn't horrible. I was a horrible, hor- horrible coach. I just think he's not as great. He's 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 in the Hall of Fame. I just don't think he's as great as people think he is. I mean, I think he's a no. very good coach. He's just not a great coach. He's not a. He's. He, I know he's in the Hall of Fame. But he's not a Hall of Fame level coach. He's not. A, he's not a Tom Izzo. He's not a Jay Wright. He's not a Mike Krzyzewski. He's not a Roy Williams or, or Jim Calhoun. He's not one of those coaches. But he also is a very. He's a great rec- He's a great. He's like. He's a, he's like, he's like Cal Perry, very similar to Calipari, Perry. Mm. He's a great recruiter. He's a very good coach.
2: Yeah. I, I, again, I'm not a big fan of self again. I think you could do a lot better at Kansas than all this. He, again, he's, he's been prone to a lot of upsets in tournament. I, I just never been a big fan of him. I just think you do a lot better at Kansas one title and what 17 years he's been there. I don't know. To me, it just, it does. I don't know. I think Kansas could do better. But yeah, I just again I can't see him out coaching you know um Krzyzewski in this game and I, I think Duke's talent is better than Kansas's is and I think that's gonna be the difference. I think Duke finds a way to win that game next Monday night.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Should be a great final four. We got two blue four blue blood programs in the final four, and obviously a matchup you couldn't have asked for a better matchup in the second game. So I'm really, really excited, excited for it. It should be a great final four. But before we wrap up talking about college basketball, we can't forget about talking about the UConn women who got a humongous win in double overtime against NC State in Bridgeport on Monday night. And let me tell you, the way Paige Beckers took over that game, listen, I wasn't a believer in this UConn women's team. I thought they'd get to the Final Four, but but, but before Monday night, I thought they're probably going to get there and lose where they normally lose in national semifinals. And this is Geno's kryptonite throughout his career. He has really – for as great as Geno's been, this is his kryptonite. He has really, really struggled. In the national semifinal, he's been great in the national title. He's eleven zero in national title games, but his kryptonite is the national semifinal. But, but the but, by the way, by the, but the way Paige Becker's played on Monday night, she took over that game against NC State, and the way Paige is playing, I don't see anyone beating UConn. I think UConn beats Stanford and gets the national title, and I think they beat either South Carolina or Louisville in the even though they got crushed to South Carolina earlier in the year. I think they win that national title game over South Carolina or Louisville because of the way Paige Beckers is playing.
2: Yeah. And I, I bring up, Paige, that's kind of what they've been missing the last couple of years. They, they've missed have They're missing that woman that had that killer instinct. Like a Brianna Stewart, a Maya Moore, a Diane, you know, like going down that line of just great UConn players. They've missed that the last year because it's been like the last couple of years, Enrique Wukawale, you know, killed them. And then um, last year, um, Ari Thomas at Arizona. You know, they, you know, they haven't had that girl yet that has had that killer instinct the last couple of years. And that yeah, Paige has kind of been that. Um, she was amazing. Again, she, she was just unconscious there, you know, late in that second half in both overtimes. And she's from Minneapolis. And that's where the Final Four is being played. She's going home now to, to play in that Final Four. Another um, great
1: storyline. Like Coach K, this is another great storyline.
2: Yeah, you know, so, again, I think, you know, she's going to be outstanding in this tournament. Yeah, they're going to need her you know, Stanford still got like Haley Jones and Cameron Brink, who are, you know, um, two of their top scorers. Like, they're to be tough, and they got, um, you know, one of the best coaches, too, the defending champs. Oh, um, yeah,
1: D- defending champs. Tyra right. Vanderveer is a great coach. It's going to be a very tough game.
2: Yeah, it's going to be tough, but again, I you know, Haley Jones is a good player, but she's not paid backers, though. If backers can take over, I think they, they they should be able to win this game. I worry can't just cannot finish layups for whatever reason. They're like the men's team. They can't finish a layup. You know, that, again, you know, Indiana, I thought they they blew out in the second half, but I thought even the first half they should have like you know put up a lot more than they were. because They just did not finish a lot of layups, so they can finish around the rim. I think they should be okay. And yeah, with the way Paige is playing, um, yeah, she's been outstanding.
1: Oh, without without a question. I mean, especially on Monday night, Monday night, because really before Monday night, I really didn't have a ton of confidence in this UConn team. You know, doing. Re- uh, doing anything in the final four, but with, with the way Paige backwards is playing, that really makes all the difference. It's the best she's looked since the injury.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I thought last year in the tournament she was good, but it was like, you know, late moments. Um, you know, there's times you kind of try to get everybody else involved. And, I, you know, I think, you know, for her talent level, at that point in the game she's got to be able to take over and take those big shots, and she seems very willing now. And, and again, you know, they're knocking down like they were. Yeah, she's got to be able to – and. Yeah, it was it you? Because all the injuries, kind of this year with you, kind of it's been a tough year for them. And yeah, you know, like that UCF game, just it was just ugly. They really struggled in that one. Just you know, could not hit late, you know, free throws either. You know, Indiana, yeah, it was just kind of you know a team that really hasn't gotten it going. Uh, you know, they knocked off a good NC State team again. Like that South Carolina game, I remember watching that game back in November. They just got physically. Dominated and it was close game until like the fourth quarter. Top can I just imposed their will on them, and yeah, you know, and yeah, like an AZ, uh, Bud, too, like that, fr- you know, she's a freshman as well, she's come on now to you know, in the tournament, so yeah, you know, I'm starting to really think that this UConn team's got a chance because it, it's crazy, they have not won since 2016, and that's Brianna Stewart's senior year, so it, it's been a while.
1: And you talked about players with a killer instinct, too. And, and it's funny how you say it. they haven't won since Brianna Stewart. That's pretty much the last time they had a play. Paige Beckers is the last time they've had a player as dominant as Brianna Stewart. Because Paige Beckers is now putting herself. She wins this national title. She puts herself into that conversation with Brianna Stewart, with Maya Moore, and with De- Diana Taurasi, with Rebecca Lobo. She puts herself in that class.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. She will be. And, and, you know, coming in, she had a lot of expertise because that's what everyone thought she was going to be that next great guard of, you know, that was going to be hanging up there with Maya Moore and Diane Trossi, Brianna Stewart, you know, and everything else. Yeah. And I, you know, well, I, you know, I think Sue Burt said, you know, her potential is limitless and all that, like, you know, she's gotten a lot of high praise since the minute she's walked on campus. So yeah, you know, again, she's such a talented player. Yeah. She'll be right there when she's got, Still two years left to kind of still prove her um you know, to still go out and go win with two more. Cause when she came in, it was like, okay, here we go, four straight national championships for Yukon once again. They didn't get yeah. it last year, but you know, again, they're looking like they could win three straight with the classies that coming in and you know, um, yeah, she she's just she's been unbelievable. She yeah, she's gonna be one of those, you know, when when it's all said and done, she's gonna be one of the best players that Yukon's had.
1: Absolutely, without without a doubt, without a doubt. So let's going to wrap it up for college basketball. But we have a change to the overtime rules in the NFL for the postseason. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media.
0: Come on out for a day of fun to the Cove Kids Classic presented by Clarity. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Lyman Orchards Golf Club to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cope Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchard's Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotgun start at 9 a.m. on the player course.
1: Already yesterday, the NFL approved to change the overtime rules for the postseason, not the regular season. They're the same rules for the regular season. The regular season, uh, if a team... Gets possession and only kicks a field goal, the other team gets possession. But if a team scores a touchdown, the game is over. But now in the postseason, both teams are both teams are guaranteed to get a possession in the postseason. Um, This I think the obviously I think we know why they changed this rule was because of that Chiefs Bills game where the Chiefs got the ball and they scored a touchdown and the and Josh Allen didn't get a chance. So uh, to to be honest, I'm an offensive guy. I, I don't really like this rule because I I didn't mind the way it was. I think I mean, you played sixty minutes, you had a chance to win the game, and even for the Bills last year, I mean, just stop the Chiefs with thirteen seconds to go and you win the game, and that now you complain about the overtime rules. I I I, I don't really like the fact they changed the rules. I would have kept it to uh, just 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 the way they had it. I think the way they had it was fine, but they, they 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 want they want you they want to see the quarterbacks with the ball in their hands more. That's what the league wanted, so. They changed the rules, but honestly, I feel like they just should have just kept the rules the way they were. Yeah.
2: Again, as you mentioned, just get a stop. I know it's hard to play defense with all the rules and it's all like it's offensive driven. It's, it's tough for the defense. But yeah, there's 13 seconds left. Just get a stop and we're not talking about this. You know, that's all you needed to do. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it either. Again, life ain't fair. You know, again, get a stop. It's I, I it's harder, yes, than it used to be, but still, you know, just just make one stop, get the ball back. I just, yeah, I, you know, again, I know the coin toss, is it's, it's the 50-50 thing and all that, but yeah, I, I, I didn't really like it. I was fine with the old one. You know, it's kind of, you, you know, yeah, now the second team gets, gets well, I guess, kind of know what's, you know, what, what they got to do to win, which I guess is kind of the same as, you know, applied besides if, it, it. You know, I guess kind of the same rule with the regular season one, if the, team doesn't score the offense team doesn't score a touchdown but yeah I just didn't like it um I thought you just say sort of state change with stuck with the same rule I, I yeah, I'm not I was not a big fan of it I just just make a stop again we're not talking about this I don't really you know yeah you know it, it's fun to see offense see like a Josh Allen get another shot down the field but it's like the way those two teams are scoring how was the game ever gonna end like you would have had to put the college of like a you know like after a certain number you had to like you know score a touchdown after two point there you, you had to do like a two point conversion. you know, those two defenses were not really game many stops in that game. It was gonna be tough, but yeah, I just I don't I don't get it. Um wasn't a big fan of it that the rule they changed the rule.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah as I said I'm I'm not either. I mean I don't know even though, even though I, I like scoring during the games. I just think in overtime, you know, 60 minutes is, is enough to win the win or lose the game. If the game goes into overtime, I didn't even mind. I think I think the thing is people complain about the overtime rules. They're much better than they previously were. When it was sudden death, I mean, you you pretty much won whoever won the coin toss pretty much won the game. So the rules the rules were uh, they're actually the rules were improved. But now we're even changing them even more because teams are complaining, and, that, and that's and that's the thing. But I can live. I don't agree with. it. I can live with it, but I disagree with it.
2: Yeah, I can live with it. But yeah, I just, I'm not, yeah, still not a big fan of it. Yeah, you know, if you can't win the game in 60 minutes, you know, I, yeah, I just, you know, do you really, you shouldn't really get noticed. Again, especially it's just such a, such a gauntlet too. And you kind of see sometimes like the longer you overtime, especially like those hockey games and the playoffs that go three, four, or five overtimes, it's, it, the play doesn't get great either. So it's like the more they've got, to stay on the field in a game like that, it's just, yeah, you kind of, the product doesn't get, you know the product kind of starts to, you know, kind of loosen up, gets a little bit worse. But yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it either. I'll live with it. But yeah, I just I, I didn't really see that was necessary to change the rule.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it did. So I think I think I think it wasn't. And the and obviously you said, the only reason they changed this rule is because the Bills complained because the Bills were upset about the overtime rules. They were upset that Josh Allen didn't get a chance. And the solution there is when there's 13 seconds left to go, stop the other team, and you don't have to worry about it.
2: Yeah. It just, again, yeah. Just make once 13 seconds. Just, just hold them. Yeah. I just, yeah. Again, we all, we're not talking about it. I know that there was talk after the Patriots beat the cheats a couple years ago in this role, they never changed it, but yeah, now they wait to do it. I, I I know it favors the team that scores first and all that, but just, uh, I just so yeah, don't, I don't like it. But yeah. We're just, we just got to live with it for now. And yeah, I kind of think it, Makes overtime rule, yeah. Makes a overtime rule take another step back after it took a couple steps forward.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we'll see what happens there. It's not the same in the regular season, but it will be the same in in the in the, in the it, will be, it will be the same in the regular season. Not the same in the postseason. That's another thing. If you're gonna change it for one, just have it for have it for both. Have it for the regular season and the postseason.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't get that either. I, I thought at first that it was gonna be for both, and then yeah, I started reading more. And I was like, just play Yeah, I don't. I didn't understand that. Um, it's weird that they didn't but i yeah i just i don't know um you know i don't know why that would be the case there that they didn't i i don't know i could you would think because it's, it's i don't i don't know what the real difference would be if it's just just for the playoffs instead of the break of season yeah i just i don't know it, it's just weird it's 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 the weird rule that they're
1: putting in here that's only for playoffs yeah exactly 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 so we'll go on to another story in with the 49ers and. 49ers Kyle Shanahan said yesterday there is a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo could still be on the roster. They could have Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance on the roster this year. And John Lynch said on Monday that they don't plan to release Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think eventually, with the closer and closer gets to the draft, if they, if I think right now they're just trying to get the right deal. They're probably them and the Panthers. The thing is the teams are very limited now in terms of who, who's going to get them. The only team I could see, place I can see them going is the Panthers. But I do think like closer and closer to the draft, they're they're going to try to get a trade, or they're going to eventually release him because they they don't there's not much dead money. Well, he's got one year left, and they're not going to oh they're not going to there's not much of a cap hit if they get rid of him. There really there really isn't much dead money on that. it's a twenty five million dollar cap hit, so they'll save they save like I think like twenty five million if they just if they just release if if they end up uh, releasing him. So uh, I, I personally I think eventually he's going to get either traded to the Panthers or release. That's what I think is going to happen to Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah,
2: um, I think so. Yeah, I think too. I could maybe, I know it's maybe a long shot, but maybe I see him holding on to him first couple of weeks of the season. Maybe a, a quarterback gets hurt and somebody with one year left kind of makes a deal for him because I, I saw too they want, they're looking for first, second round picks for him. So maybe if there's an injury early on in the season. They can maybe try to trade for him. But yeah, like right now, Carolina, like I know the Steelers are going to try to draft a quarterback, but if they miss out on the guy they want, well, they just just trying Trubisky, though. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't think Caraba was probably on their future plans of the guy that they want to be the franchise quarterback. But, yeah, there's not really, besides the Panthers right now, it sounds like, you know, like Seattle sounds like they're good with Locke. It sounds, you know, Houston's okay with Davis Mills. Atlanta wants Marcus Mariota. So, yeah, for the most part, the QB carousel is kind of close. So, yeah, it's to me, tough to see where the Niners get to, you know, try to do with them here. But, um, yeah, you know, it's a bad kind of – because the Niners really have to give Lance a shot because he gave up – four first-round draft picks and you kind of you know you kind of want to let lance kind of be the guy and not have a jimmy g there in the locker room where or in like the, the quarterback room where he could still maybe possibly win that job but yeah i think he yeah they, they got to get rid of him at some point
1: and you made a good point about uh about Trey Lance. Yeah, you don't want to give up three first round picks and still have Jimmy Garoppolo there in year 2. I think we all knew when the when the when the 49ers traded up to get Trey Lance that he was going to be he was definitely going to be the starter by 2022 and Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be there. So that's why I think it's, 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 it's sooner or later they're going to trade or release him.
2: Yeah, I think they will too. I think they yeah, they got to, you know, cuz they just signed I know that. Like, um um uh Sudfield too as another quarterback so now they got through in the roster so yeah they you know Sudfield's probably gonna be their backup whenever they get rid of Jimmy G yeah you know it's just good for Lance to kind of just know that he's kind of the guy um you know that Jimmy G's gonna be the guy I mean um Trey Lance is gonna be the guy and he kind of knows that in that locker room
1: yeah 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 exactly exactly yeah you don't want to keep a guy there I think last year they just thought Trey Lance wasn't ready that's why they brought Jimmy G in and Jimmy G getting the best chance to win I think a year in the system, it's going to get closer. And when you trade three first-round picks for a guy, you got to play that guy. So I think there's a good chance that Garoppolo, they say they're not going to do it, but he's going to get traded or released. But there was a story with the Patriots yesterday, and Bob Kraft spoke at the owners' meetings and said it bothers him that the Patriots have not won a playoff game in three years. And he expects it to happen this year, and he expects them to have another good draft. They had a good draft last year. And he said about the other, he thought he had a great draft last year, took a shot at Belichick saying it was better than the last four years. So his expectations are that this team needs to win a playoff game. The problem is, is he watching what's going on around the AFC and watching all the moves that have gone around the AFC? Has he seen the Browns go out and trade for Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper? Has he seen the Raiders go out and trade for uh, Devontae Adams? Has he seen the Chargers go out and sign his guy, J.C. Jackson, and trade for Khalil Mack? Oh, and, and is he seeing the Colts trade trade for Matt Ryan all these changes are going on around the AFC and the Patriots have done nothing and now the owner's expecting oh we got to win a playoff game right now I have them as the 12th best team in the AFC I don't think they're going to make the playoffs I think there could be trouble in the offseason with the Patriots seeing the way things are going
2: yeah you know Kraft again he was he's been a lifelong fan like you know he's a fan really He he's Still a true fan of this organization, and he's always kind of put that fan perspective into it. I don't know nobody feels sorry for us that we've only that we haven't won in three years in the playoffs, but yeah, you know I think it's a wake up call to Bill and kind of like, hey, we need to, you know, we need to start doing some things differently here. Especially last year, they spent 160 million dollars on free agency. They didn't win any, and they got smacked around by Buffalo. Like he, he's, you know, he spent a lot of money on this team last year. Got them in the playoffs, but didn't get them much. It got them embarrassed in the playoffs. And, yeah, I don't blame them. Again, yeah, with the offense and, you know, all this and kind of not having Brady back them up anymore and kind of, you know, erasing all those holes. Yeah, you know, I think there is some worry in Bob Craft. You know, Bob Kraft now that, hey, this is kind of, you know, we didn't do much of free agency last year. Again, you know, Buffalo – had, you know, what Buffalo did to us last year, you know, then two of the three games was, you know, destroyed us. So, yeah, I think, um you know, I, I think he is putting some pressure here on Bill Belichick to kind of start making some moves here and to start being competitive because yeah, in the AFC right now, yeah, I feel you know, somewhere priced a lot in that 10, 11, 12 spot. I have him right now in the AFC, like, you know, somewhere around there. Cause yeah, right now they're, they're, they're just not a very good team right now. And, you know, again, I think in the NFC, they'd probably be a playoff team. But AFC, there's, there's no chance. They're not going to be able to keep up with half the quarterbacks in this league. And they didn't really help out Mac Jones at all this offseason either, which I, I thought. And now you're too often the coaches to try to help Mac Jones out are Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. So yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of worry right now.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, you look at what the Dolphins did to help out uh, Tua. They got they signed Teron Armstead. They went out and got traded for Tyreek Hill. This organization just has not done anything to help Mac Jones and really has not done anything. This football team is clearly is going to be clearly worse on, on paper. They're, they're, yeah, their roster is bottom five in the AFC, trading Shaq Mason, not signing J.C. Jackson, pretty much not improving anywhere and really getting anybody. Outside of me getting, getting Jabril Peppers, who's an average mm. safety, that's pretty much all they've really gotten on this football team. And it's just the fact is if Kraft still has these expectations that we need to win a playoff game, well, you should have said that before free agency. You should have. You should have had to say that before free agency because now you're 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 a team that's going to have a very very hard time. Maybe you're, you're going to have a very hard time getting into the playoffs. Forget about winning a playoff game. You're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time getting into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, they are. They are now. They're clearly right now the third best team in that division. Even the, I don't think the Jets are not better than them yet, but even the Jets, I think, have proved this offseason too. Like they're not going to be a team you're to be able to walk over like you did last year. Yeah, you know, we've kind of been over the schedule. It's not an easy schedule they're going to go through this year. Yeah, you know, like Shaq Mason, I, a guy I just – I don't really know why. Then you give – you you bring back Trent Brown, but he hasn't played a full season in the last five years. It's just – some of the moves that they made, yeah. Like, again, it's just just head scratchers. It's just – yeah. And, you know, in that AFC now, they're not keeping up with Buffalo. Their defense didn't get any better. How's their – how are they going to – how how's Buffalo going to punt against them this year? They they There's no JC <laughs> Jackson. And you know, that's that's the thing, yeah. They've they've gotten worse. And again, I'm not again, it's you know, I, I'm kind of gearing up it's gonna be a long year because I don't know how our defense make many stops, and even if they do, I like Mac Jones, but again, where have we gotten better offensively yeah. for him to upgrade to to continue to progress?
1: Yeah, and the thing is if Bills if if craft is expecting, oh, we gotta win a playoff game and the team goes like six and eleven. Bill Belichick, this is crazy to say. Bill Belichick might be out of a job if, if 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 this is what Kraft is expecting. And 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 look at this roster. He's expecting a playoff win. Look at this roster. This is a 6-7 six, seven, six, seven win team. Bill my Bills 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 there's a good chance Bill could be out of a job.
2: I think at first they'd probably talk him out of the GM role and let. I don't think he'd probably. I don't think Bill would be okay with that. Again, I don't know if he'd fire him after this season. I I, I think it would have to be mutual. I, I don't know if, if Kraft could fire him, you know, after all he's done. It, you know, it, again, I think he'd be first trying to talk Bill Belichick into trying to change his ways and, and trying to, you know, spend more. Maybe, you know, but, it, again, if it doesn't go right, maybe after the, the meeting doesn't go well, maybe he says, look, maybe it's time to go for a change. Maybe he gives him a different role in the organization. You know, I don't know what, but maybe something else. Maybe Bill's okay with that, but I think it's tough to fire him. But look, if it's really a bad year and it doesn't get better, and if Kraft really wants to start winning again and all that, maybe I just I just think with all Bill's done, it's it's tough to fire him. You know, it might again his ways. I don't think are working as they were in the past. But you know, it'd be a tough call for Kraft. But yeah, if he wants to start winning, and this season goes. Goes right. I would start by seeing if he'd be okay with ha- letting another GM actually run things and let Bill kind of coach the on-field stuff. But I, I don't think Bill would be okay with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it will probably be not okay, and they'll probably get rid of him if that's the, if, 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 if if that gets offered to him at the, at the end of the year if the if the season doesn't go well. But looking at this schedule and looking at this roster, there's more of a chance that things aren't there, there's more of a chance this team will finish seven and ten. Or this, there's more of a chance the team will finish seven and ten. And they would finish. Then they're going to finish eleven and six. Looking at the schedule, looking at the roster, this is this is not. I mean, I, I, I don't mind Mac Jones, but this is just not a team. Mac Jones. He's not he to have the talent of Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. He's not a guy that can carry a team. He needs help, and he clearly just doesn't have the help right now.
2: No, he doesn't. And look, you know, at this point, it's like okay, you can draft a wide receiver in your first round pick, but it's like, can he come in? But, you know, it, again, the chances that that wide receiver comes in and has a breakout year, like a Jamar Chase, that just has that kind of, you know, just that season like, you know, he had like a Jamar Chase had last year. It's probably rare, you know, that, to have something like that go right. So, yeah, you know, it, again, it's Aguilar. I think Kendrick Bourne had a, had a decent year. It kind of likes him. But again, yeah, he's nothing special, though. So, yeah, there's just no help for him. And again, even on the offensive line, you, you lose a guy like Shaq Mason, and even um, you know Shaq, Shaq Mason's such a huge loss for the team. So yeah, it's just it's disappointing, and I I feel bad for Matt because it's like you know, especially he's still on his rookie deal. It's like this is kind of the time where you could go out and spend because you don't have to pay your quarterback big look, bucks yet.
1: Look and, at the Bang, look at the Bengals. Look at what the Bengals have done on yeah. Burrow's rookie deal. I mean, going out and drafting Jamar Chase. Uh, getting getting a couple getting key free agent and Trey Hendrickson last year. Look, and they went out and got Lyle Collins this year. Look at what they've done. Look what the Chargers have done on Justin Herbert's rookie deal. They went out and uh, they went out. They they uh, drafted. Uh, Trying remember, uh, remember that left. Mike they signed Mike Williams. They 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 Jackson. drafted a left tackle. They they signed J.C. Jackson. They went out and uh, they they traded for Khalil Mack. They signed uh, Corey Lindsley. Uh, they, they, they drafted Rashawn Slater, so they've done they've done a ton to help him. And, and, and look what the Dolphins have done. They went out and uh, signed Tyron Armstead and traded for Tyreek Hill. So look at what those teams have done on those quarterbacks, rookie deals, and look what the Patriots have done. It's not even close, and I don't think the Patriots are putting this quarterback in the best position to succeed.
2: No, and, no, and, and losing Josh McDaniels too, who's been like the quarterback whisperer, and now you bring him back for Trish and Joe Judge to kind of be his two guys. Yeah, it's scary. It, it's really scary. And, I, I, you know, it, again, like, I don't know. I can't – I don't know how Mac Jones gets better this season. I, I really don't. You lose a guy like McDaniels. And, again, the offensive talent's not getting any better. We'll see what they do in the draft. But, again, Bill's always a wild card in the draft. So, I don't, I don't know where he's going to go in that first round. And, again, you know, does he even keep his first round pick? Because he usually does not like to keep it. So, yeah, to me, it's just – I don't – yeah, you know, as you mentioned – you know, everybody else in these rookie deals with the quarterbacks have always kind of helped them out. They tried last year, didn't work, but again, it just kind of seems like okay, let's you know attempt number two with it. And I can't see again, I, I think
1: it worked a little bit last year. I mean, I wouldn't it say it did. didn't work, they got better. I mean, I think you know, I, yeah, they weren't great pickups, but I mean, Judon was, was, was I know he went MIA the last four games, but he was, but he was good. Kendrick Bourne was solid, uh, Hunter Henry was decent. It's just, it just, just the disastrous moves of. It uh, was just the, the disastrous moves of, of getting Nelson Aguilar and Jonah Smith. Those were the really bad moves, but there were some moves that worked. But the but the problem is, is they they improved their team last year. They've gotten worse this year.
2: Yeah, you know, it, yeah, they they've gotten worse. You know, they're clearly the third best team in the division. I just, you know, the one thing is, I they just don't have a clear number one wide receiver for them. You know, Aguilar's not that guy. Kendrick Bourne's not that guy. Akilah Harry's been a big boss. I like Jacoby Myers, but he's not a he's not a number one. You know, I think that's a big thing that they've really missed out on them. And, you know, I think they really need that big number one wide receiver. that, And I, I, you know, they tried to find that last year. You know, they were hoping Agar was going to be that guy. It's not working. It's not going to work. So, yeah, you know, they, I, it, it worked. It got in the playoffs. But it just, again, what did the playoffs really get them last year was an embarrassing loss of the Bills. It, exactly, you know, yeah. That that's a problem, and again, they're they're not even a sniff it with this roster this year.
1: No, no, not at all, not at all. So now, now that the off off-season, the off kind of wrapping up. We're getting closer to the draft. We'll talk about to this point, which teams are our winners and losers of the offseason. and we'll start with our winners. and We picked five winners and losers. I'll start with mine, and we'll go five to one. And for the winners, number five, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think the biggest reason why they're one of the biggest winner, the biggest reason why they're one of the they're a winner of the offseason is because they got Tom Brady back. Tom Brady. Is coming back to play for them. And that probably resulted on them uh, signing Chris Godwin and uh signing Leonard Fournette. So that's why they're one of my winners of the offseason. Number four, the Miami Dolphins. And we talked about this we were talking about the Patriots. What do you need to do when your quarterback's on a rookie deal? Help him out and get him players around him. And that's what the Dolphins did. They got the best left. They got the best tackle. And they signed the best tackle in free agency in Teron Armstead. And they went out and traded for Tyreek Hill. So that's why I got the Dolphins number four. Number three the Denver Broncos. And, uh, and obviously the biggest reason is they went out and traded for Russell Wilson. And this is a pretty good, and also they signed Randy Rick Gregory and DJ Jones. And this is a pretty, this is a pretty good defense. I don't think the defense will be as good because Vic Fangio has gone, but, but offensively they're markedly better with Russell Wilson as their quarterback. They, they have pretty good weapons around him with, uh with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And now Javante Williams, so they got pretty good weapons around him. That's why they're my, they're number three. They're, they're one of my winners of the off season. Number two, the Cleveland Browns going out realizing that Baker Mayfield wasn't the guy then trading for Deshaun Watson signing Amari Cooper they I know Watson's probably going to miss you know 4 to 6 games this year but with these moves it may not it may not benefit them this year cuz Watson will be suspended but to have Deshaun Watson have a 25 year old at quarterback like Deshaun Watson this is going to make them Super Bowl contenders for the next 10 for the next decade that's why they're my number 2 winner this offseason and number 1 the Chargers, and just like we said with the Dolphins, they are helping their young quarterback in year three. They went out, they signed Mike Williams. They went out and uh they, they signed J.C. Jackson, and they got Khalil Mack. This is one of the best rosters in football, and with this quarterback, I think this team is the favorite to win the AFC West. That's why they're my biggest winner of the offseason. Justin, your top five winners.
2: My top five, I'll start. I also have the Buccaneers at number five. Yeah, with Tom Brady returning, adding in Shaq Mason, re-signing Ryan Jensen, that offensive line should be really good again. You know, adding Russell Gage from division rival is not a bad w- weapon as well. Um, you know, again, Tampa Bay, they should win that division, you know, by a few games. They're still one of the best teams in that in, in the league. And adding Tom Brady back, you know, um, the great pickup for them, they get him unretired. Number four, you got the Vegas Raiders. I think, you know, with everyone else in that division that got better, again, bringing in Devontae Adams, who's got a really good relationship with Derek Carr playing at college, and then adding Chandler Jones as well on the other side of Max Crosby. And, you know, bringing in you now Josh McDaniels with with Waller and, and Hunter Renfro, it's going to be interesting what he does there. Again, after everyone else in that division got it better, and obviously KC's, you know, I know they still lost Hill, but they're right there. Vegas, you know, again, they're trying to – you know they fix that offense a little bit. Getting the best wide receiver in the game. Um, Vegas' read number four. Number three, I had the Cleveland Browns bringing in Deshaun Sean Watson. Yes, he'll be suspended, um, but I also thought you know Mari Cooper bringing him bringing him in is a nice no, no, a nice piece there at wide receiver. Adding Chase Winovich is a nice piece depth piece for him on the defense side of the ball. Um, Cleveland finally looks like they could have their franchise quarterback for the first time in a long time. Um, so they're number – they're my, my number three winner of the offseason. Number two is the Denver Broncos, bringing in a guy like Russell Wilson. Again, it's been a glaring issue for him the last, you know, six or so years at that quarterback position. And then I, I think this this helps now with Jerry Judy unleash his full potential. You know, obviously last year they really couldn't do that with Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke. Now you got an offensive um, head coach in there as well. I think, yeah, for these young weapons who really haven't seen get going yet, you know, I think this year you're going to see them, you know, with their with the potential and see what they have. Um, so I have Denver being my number two. And number one is the L.A. Chargers. You know, yeah, they upgraded that second with J.C. Jackson. They brought in Khalil Mack, um, you know, bringing back Mike Williams at the wide, at wide receiver. Yeah. You know, they they got a lot better with Justin Herbert and in year, you know, be year number three form coming up. And yeah, you know, right now, Kansas City losing Tyree killed. they are the favorite right now to win that AFC West. I'm, I'm with you on that one. So yeah, this Kansas, I mean, this Chargers team got a lot better. Again, it, you know, I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. It all comes down to coaching now for the Chargers. It's on paper, they have a really, really talented roster, and you know, they they go out there and be a Super Bowl contender.
1: Absolutely, oh, yeah. I mean, it pretty much does. If Brandon Staley doesn't get this team to the playoffs, he's got to be fired.
2: Yeah, absolutely, he does. You know, with the, the, the there's no excuse with this roster. I know they have the toughest division in football, but absolutely, if he cannot get this team to a playoffs, he, he's got to be fired because this this team is too good. Even that division, not to make the playoffs.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll go to our losers of the off season. I'll, we'll start with me, uh, number five, the New England Patriots. They really just have not done anything. As we talked, we discussed for 15 minutes. They, have, this team is worse. This team is worse. Trading Shaq Mason, not 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 resigning, not resigning. J, letting JC Jackson walk, uh, and then really not adding another weapon. As of right now, they haven't added another weapon for Mac Jones. As I've said, they are not putting Mac Jones in the best position to succeed like other teams around the AFC are. So that's why they're they're my number five. Number four. I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints, and uh, I think a big reason why is they missed out on uh, they missed out on Deshaun Watson, and they didn't re-sign Teron Armstead. Also, they didn't re-sign Marcus Williams. Now Malcolm Jenkins retired. I mean, two years ago this was the best roster in football. Now this roster is average, uh, with with a with the bullet with an average to below average quarterback in Jameis Winston. This is a team right now because of their because of their off season, It's a fit, they're officially in rebuild mode. With the, with the other two teams, which I will get to in, in in this division, so that's why I have the Saints at number four. Number three, another team from the from the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers, another team that missed out on Deshaun on Deshaun Watson, and now they're planning to go into the season with Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback, which I don't think I'm a Sam Darnold guy. I was a Sam Darnold guy coming out, but when he was coming out of USC, but right now I don't think that's a very good idea. I think I think I know he was three zero with Christian McCaffrey, but you look at the three teams he beat. The Jets, the Te- I know he beat the Saints, but he also beat the Jets and Texans. Those were two of those three wins. So I think right now the Panthers, I got their number three. Number two, the Seattle Seahawks. They traded Russell Wilson, and, and they were not in on Deshaun Watson. That really bo- that really bothered me because now they think that Drew Locke is going to be their guy, which they will be mistaken. That, they'll, they'll be, that'll be a, that's going to be a huge mistake. Uh, there's rumors they might even trade D.K. Metcalf. So Seattle right now is in full rebuild mode. Clearly the worst team in their division. That's why they're my number two. And number one, it's the Atlanta Falcons. And a big reason for this was how close they were to getting to Sean Watson. They were this close getting to Sean Watson. They missed out on him. And that pretty much forced them to get rid of Matt, to trade Matt Ryan. Now they've taken on the biggest dead money cap hit in NFL history. This team, this roster is poor. They're going to start Marcus Mariota. They're in for a disastrous season the one thing about them is they better hope Kyle Pitts doesn't want out of there by the middle of the season. Cause because because that's that's the thing they got to worry about the most this year. They're they're on their way to a two, three win season. This roster is absolutely terrible. Uh so that's why they're my num they're my biggest loser of the offseason. Justin, your five losers of the offseason.
2: My five. I'll start with the Chicago Bears. And I think like the Mac Jones thing. They didn't really help out Justin Fields this year. You know, they lost Allen Robinson. They signed Lucas Patrick at the center spot. But, again, their offensive lines that did not help their offensive line a, a ton. There's They still need a lot of help on that offensive line. They still have one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the league. I don't think they did enough this year to help out Justin Fields. And I, I think, you know, for for me, I think just like the Mac thing, um, it was not great. Number four, I had the Dallas Cowboys. You kind of you let Cooper kind of walk. You let Cedric Wilson walk. You bring in James Washington, who had a really unwhelming career. You know, and then off at the line, you know, you lost Connor Williams and Leo Collins on the offensive line. I think the Cowboys took a step back this year. And I think last year with everything that's kind of happened this one, they missed their best opportunity last year at making a run to the Super Bowl and getting back there. You know, now this team, again, I know the East, the East the NFC East still isn't great, but right now they're, you know, probably second, third best team in that division. They're right there with the Eagles probably being the second best team in that division. So I think the Dallas Cowboys um took a, Took a step back. Number three, I have my New England Patriots. Yeah, you know, they signed Jubilo Peppers and Malcolm Butler to one year deals, but nothing really too big. You lost Shaq Mason, Ted Kears went to um Cincinnati. You know, yeah, you let JC Jackson walk. They really have not done anything to help out Mac Jones. And it's been a very disappointing, quiet offseason in New England. So they're number three for me. Number two, I the Seattle Seahawks yeah, you lost a guy like Russell Wilson. You really haven't put another, you know, Drew Locke has not really shown, you know, that he's got, that he could be an um, NFL starting quarterback for a franchise. You know, you also lost Bobby Wagner and you cut Carlos Dunlap as well, you know, and F the division's loaded already. It kind of, yeah, it's kind of feels like they're on the way to rebuild mode. I'm surprised Pete is sticking around. Maybe next year's at form, but I'm surprised Pete Carroll right now at the time is, going to stick around and coach his team. But um so Seattle was my number two. And number one, the same with yours, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, you let Matt Ryan go. And Calvin really suspended all year. But again, he's got no trade value now. You know, you can't trade him this year. Russell Gage you lost your rival. You got Cordell Patterson back. But obviously, this is the worst quarterback room in the league. And you didn't get much assets for your rebuild. You got a third-round pick for Matt Ryan here. Again, it hurts you really can't you know you you lose ridley here you can't really trade him for anything so i think too like with atlanta you've got absolutely no assets to try to help your rebuild mode out here you know they, again atlanta had such a and as you mentioned too they just missed out on deshaun watson as well so yeah it's been a tough off season for for the falcons and yeah just again i i think yeah atlanta next year is really looking like they're gonna do worse in football
1: Absolutely, and I had the Cowboys, I had the Cowboys at six, and I had the pick the Cowboys and Bears right there with my with my losers. I just, I just for the Cowboys, I still feel like they have Dak Prescott. And they're still, it doesn't affect their team. I still think they they're going to be they could very easily be the best team in the division. And then for the Bears, yeah, I do have them as a loser, but I feel like with the new GM, they're 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 going through a rebuilding process right now.
2: Yeah, no, that could be true. Yeah, if they didn't really want to do much. They're going to try to re kind of do things with the draft. Yeah, I just thought maybe. Maybe with everything you lost Kilo Mack, maybe, you know, you kind of try to bring something in here. Try to get some flair here with Justin Fields and kind of like, you know, try to get some excitement started in the free agency process. I thought maybe that was something they they were going to be able to do, but they just never really did.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it should be interesting. We're getting closer and closer to the draft. We'll definitely be talking about that. But we got. We're going to wrap up the show talking about the NBA. And last night, the Lakers looked absolutely pathetic. I mean, the score did not. I think they lost one twenty-eight to one ten. Mm. But the score, score did not indicate how much of a blowout that game was. They gave up eighty-two points in the first half. Right now, they are currently the eleventh seed in the Western Conference, and uh, this 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 team has just just not gelled at all right now. AD is out. We don't know if he's going to come back. But right now, looking at the Lakers' schedule, look at the, looking at what the Lakers have. Uh, coming up, looking at their schedule, you know the, the last seven games. If you, if you look, if you look at that schedule, I mean, it is it is a tough. It, it is tough. They got they got to play the they, they got to play the Jazz on the road. They got to play the Suns on the road. They got to play the. I know the Warriors don't have staff, but they got to play them on the road. That, then they got the Nuggets twice, one of them on the road, and then they have uh, they they have the Pelicans who, who are fighting for a spot, and they and they and they have one easy game with the Thunder. But looking at the schedule, there is a very very good chance the Lakers could miss the playing tournament.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think, yeah, they had the toughest uh, schedule left in the conference or in the entire NBA, you know, in the entire league right now. Um, yeah. You know, again, it, you mentioned it was 113 to 84 after three quarters last night. And then Maver- the Mavericks kind of rest rested everybody in the fourth quarter and they kind of took their foot off the gas. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's been horrible. And LeBron, I know it's kind of banged up now. Anthony Davis has been out for a while. You can't give Anthony Davis a max contract this year. You, you can't.
1: Oh, There's no way. No you, can't. way. You, can't, you can't stay healthy.
2: No, you can't you – know, yeah, you cannot be the face of your franchise. So, yeah, it's been a horrible year for the Lakers. They've been horribly defensively. Russell Westbrook was a horrible addition to this team. He's done nothing but hurt them at times and for most of the year. Again, I know AD's been out – LeBron has played on his head all year. But, man, this, this – you know, with everything LeBron's kind of giving him, I know he's kind of out of some injuries that this team cannot, and this is when's a lot. Cause as, as far as I've kind of followed the NBA, I don't think the Eastern conference has been the better conference of Western. Like it's been what, like 20 years to like the Western conference is down this year and they still seem like they're going to miss the playoffs. You know, like if it was a down year in the Western. Like imagine if it's a gauntlet, like it usually is. Again, things will be much worse for the Lakers. I feel like so. It's been horrible. They, 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 it's just been horrible to watch them because they they're horribly defensively. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook just shoots them out of games at times. Again, they're really only calling card this year has been LeBron James, and he, he's 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 done everything he's could for this team. But you know, again, he deserves to blame for putting the team together to somewhat degree. But it, it's been a horrible year for the Lakers, and it's, it's an embarrassment that this team is probably going to play in a tournament.
1: Oh, absolutely! It, it it definitely looks like it. I mean, if you look at the Spurs' schedule, uh, they got Portland twice, Memphis without John Morant at home. They still, I think, they still got to go to Denver. They still got to go to Minnesota and Dallas, so those will be tough. But they got Golden State at home without Steph Curry, so there is a they have the easier schedule and they got the better coach. So there is a very good chance that it could be the Spurs instead of the Lakers. And If you look at the Lakers, I mean, the AD trade for them, I think they had to make it because they needed to get another top player with LeBron. And I don't, and they don't win that championship without AD, even though they had to give up. Lonzo, Paul, Brendan Ingram, and Josh Hart. But the biggest mistake this Lakers team made, this was one of the worst, I think one of the worst trades in NBA history was the Lakers trading for Russell Westbrook. Had to give up KCP, Kuzma, and Harrell. They're not great players, but they're NBA players and they're better with what the Lakers are playing with now. I mean, I mean, the Lakers are playing with nobody now. that, that With AD out, I mean, that's really hurt. I mean, you, they have like borderline, they have like below average to bad NBA players in their starting lineup. And Russell Westbrook, and I've said it for years. This guy was completely overrated Russell Westbrook. He is totally overrated. I said it. I said it for years. The triple double stuff was fraudulent. I thought he was a, he was a very good player, uh, but he's one of the worst MVPs ever, ever in in, in, in the history, in the history of the NBA. And he, and he has proven, he has proven that this year and he has proven how terrible of a trade that was.
2: That was horrible. And I've mentioned it before too, they had buddy Heel pretty much set in stone. I know buddy healed, not a great player, but he might have been a much better fit than Russell Westbrook has for the team. And yeah, you know, again, yeah. Cause it, last year they kind of had some core guys off the bench, like a Harold, you know, KCP played well for him last year. Like those were kind of the guys that they needed. Again, it, it's just, it's like they cared about those three guys and really didn't build much around them. I know Malik Monks had a pretty good year for him, but like outside of that, there's just nothing there. It's just a bunch of old veteran guys, like a DJ Augustine, like, you know, with Westbrook, it's just Avery Bradley's on the team. Like, Dwight Howard's back. And now, like, yeah, it's just like they put those three together and it was like, okay, they'll just figure it out. And they thought maybe these three together, it's going to be good enough. And they'll kind of take out all, like, the, um, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll make up for all kind of the, you know, other issues that we have in other parts of the lineup. And it just never did. It's just a horrible team constructed wise. It's just, I think they're the oldest roster in the league. They have, what, like half their team's over 30. Like, it just never – yeah, it's just, it just been horrible. And, yeah, you know, Russell Westbrook's – yeah, he's uh, – you know, again, he's just – he's not a great shooter. He never has been, you know. And, again, he takes 27 shots last night. Like, that's just – again, it's not going to get done from your point guard. You know, if he's hitting those shots, great, but he never does. So, yeah, it just, again, it's just – again, he's just been horrible, and Buddy Hield would have been a much better fit for the team.
1: Yeah, because say you get Buddy healed and you and then you're able to keep, you know, you're able to keep Kuzma, you're able to keep Harold, you're able to keep KCP. You got those role players. Now they wouldn't be as good because AD can't stay healthy. But st- still, say for some reason, they're, they're, say for some reason AD and LeBron come back and they have those guys, and they're probably not in the play-in tournament. They can make a run. Now, being where they are in the play-in tournament, having to win two games just to play the Suns in the first round, they're in a terrible spot, and there's really no way this team is 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 going to make it out of the first round.
2: No, there's no way, especially with how good the Suns are playing right now. They've been great all year, you know. And, and yeah, you know, and I know that the Suns got them at six last year, but the late, you know, but it's a totally different, like, Lakers team this year. I know the Suns took advantage when AD got hurt um, last year in that series. But, yeah, I just – yeah, the Lakers right now, the way they're playing, the way they play defensively, I can't see – yeah, I, I think maybe they win a game or two against Phoenix. but well, that, that'd be it. You know, it's just – yeah, just not a good – it's not a good team. It's just, they've been horrible. And can you trust Anthony Davis to come back and play healthy in a full series? No. Again, I just, how much more can LeBron do? Because, you know, now he's banged up, but you know, like that, that, you know, I don't, again, he's good enough, but at at this age, I don't know if he could carry a team for a full 10 game series anymore. And then be able to do it for the next round too. I just, I don't know if he's capable of doing that anymore without anybody around him. If they, hurt and, yeah, you know, it just yeah, the Sunday I think should you know, would beat them in five, six games, even though yeah, it's gonna be tough to get out of the play. and with the way the the Pelicans are playing and even the Tim Rules, um, yeah, I, I there's no way they if they somehow sneak in the playoff tournament, there's no way they get out they get out of the play-in tournament.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's just it's just a very, very disappointing season for the Lakers. But we gotta move on to the Eastern Conference and two teams that could very easily meet in the conference finals, and that was a great game last night between the Sixers and the Bucs. Giannis with that great block at, at the end to, 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 uh, to, to help the Bucks get that win, get that win over the Sixers. I think the big question we ask ourselves here is, are these the two best teams in the Eastern Conference? And this, this answer might surprise me. I think the Sixers are one of them, but the Bucks are not. And here's a reason why. I just think if you're drafting a team, where would you take Chris Middleton? You definitely wouldn't take him over James Harden. And you definitely wouldn't take him over Kyrie Irving. I think Giannis is outstanding. I think he's one of the best. He's probably top two. I think he's the second best player in the game. But his lack of three-point shooting, and I've said this for a while, and his, you know, and not having a great number two is the reason why I think the Bucs are the third best team in the East. I know they won the championship last year, but there's no way they would have beat the Nets in that series if Kyrie and Harden were healthy, or or, or, or either one of them was healthy. There's no way they would have beaten the uh they, they would have beaten the Nets in that ser- in that series last year. There's 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 no way. So I I do think the Bucks are a title contender, but I think they're the third best team in the East. So to answer to, to answer the question, no, I don't think these are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. But Justin, are these the two best teams in the Eastern Conference?
2: I don't either. Um other night, I posted up podcast. I I stuck with the um I have the Celtics right there. I have the Celtics. Oh, right
1: now. oh, oh! Come on, the Celtics. Yeah, I love the, the Celtics. The, the Celtics. No, uh, no, 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 no! Come on, come Robert on.
2: Robert Williams will be back in mid uh, in about a month. I
1: don't even care about Robert Williams coming back. I think the Celtics. This is this is kind of similar I, to what the Patriots did. This win. This this hot streak is fool's gold. Okay, they are not better than the than the Bucks. They are not better than the Sixers. They are not better than the Nets. And and honestly, I don't think they're better than the Heat. I think the winning streak is fool's gold. I think Jason Tatum is a very is a really good player, but he doesn't make guys around him better, and that's going to show up in the postseason. I think this. I don't. I would not put the Celtics in the top two. I have the Celtics five.
2: Yeah, I yeah, you have five. I again defensively though they have guys they can guard, and Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. I love that combo. Those two guys can go. They can go. You know, they can go make their shots. You know, yeah, they may not make guys better around them. Um, but like Marcus Smart defensively has been great, he's been a great distributor. Derek White's played really well off the bench, and again, he's played with the Spurs. He kind of knows, um, you know, he's kind of got that wedding winning pedigree. Um,
1: when's you know, the last time the Spurs have been a championship contender 2017?
2: Yeah, you're yeah, playing that organization now, though he's a big plus. I, I, I love the way you know, Brown and Tatum because I, again, you would take Brown and Tatum over, you know, you take. Brown over Craig Middleton is your number two, right? What do you say? You would I take Jalen Brown over, yeah. Craig but, Middleton the thing, too. but
1: the thing, but the uh, thing, but it's close. But I probably, yeah, I probably go Jalen Brown. But the thing is, is but but Giannis is much better than Tatum. I mean, Giannis is clearly better than Tatum, so that's why I would definitely take the Bucks over them.
2: Yeah, no, I I see it, but I, I again I think defensively this Celtics team is going to give anybody a hard time. I think they have enough. Again, I think with two guys like Tatum and Brown are good enough, and then I think they have a third – I think it – it doesn't matter who could that third guy be, but I think they have a bunch of guys each night that could do it, like a Marcus Smart could do it one night, a Derek White could do that one night. You know, I am work for the guy to get you a double-double. You know, Daniel Theis, he's played – I know he's not a great player, but he's been a serviceable center for the Celtics. He's a great interior defender. I think the Celtics, again, I I think they I think they could go on a run. I Again, the way this team's been playing since the All-Star break – I they, they've been fun to watch, and I, I, I like the way they've been playing. I think Brown and Tatum can, can go on a run like they did a couple years ago in the bubble.
1: Yeah, I, I think the problem with the Celtics is first-year head coach, who I, who I don't trust in the postseason. And uh, really, outside of Brown and Tatum, there's really no one else I trust on that team. Even, even Robert Williams, he averages like 10 points a game. Marcus Smart gets a lot of assists. He's not a great scorer. And uh, Al Horford, he's, he's 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 best days, I feel like, are behind him. So, I, I just don't trust really anybody outside of Brown and Tatum. They got a first-year coach. And if you're if you're drafting a team and you have, I mean, maybe, all right, maybe, and, and we'll, we'll do it, we'll compare it to the Bucks, Sixers, and uh, and Nets. If you're drafting a team, where are you taking Jason Tatum? And where are you ta- where you draft if you're if you're out on the playground, you're drafting players, where are you taking Jason Tatum? You're not you're not taking him over, uh, you're definitely not, obviously not taking over Kevin Durant. You're not taking them over uh, James Harden. You're not taking him over Joel Embiid. And you're not taking him over Giannis. So you're just the fifth best player out of those out of those four teams. You're at the fifth best player and a first year head coach. So that's why I mean I think the Celtics are good. I just don't think they're as good as their record. I think they've been lucky to have Brown and Tatum health. Tatum's played seventy one games. Jalen Brown has played sixty games. The two have played sixty games together. There's nobody in the league that's even came close. I mean, Harden and Embiid and, and uh, Durant and Kyrie uh, haven't even came close to that. I know that part of that's because Kyrie didn't get vaccinated. That's another story. But you know, but but I think I think they've had they've had the benefit of Brown and Tatum playing together. I think that's the biggest reason why they have they have a, one of the best records in the Eastern Conference. I clearly think they're clearly uh, at best the fourth best team, and I think the fifth best team.
2: I would I would take. Playoff Tatum over playoff Harden, though. i take him over.
1: Oh, no, I'm, not, I'm never taking. I, I, am never, I am never taking Jason Tatum over James Harden. He's been ever.
2: better in the playoffs and, though than Harden.
1: Clearly, James Harden is clearly, clearly a better player Harden's than Jason Tatum. And, and and I'm sorry, Harden has not been terrible in the playoffs. What about that run where he was one game away from making the finals? And if Chris Paul is healthy, he wins a the championship.
2: They probably, that's probably the one year. But, like, he's had some games where two for 18. And I worry, too, he can't get to the free throw line 30 times like he used to. He can't do it if he has a bad night. He, he's not going to be able to. He's not going to be able to bail himself out. That's what I worry about. I know you got an Embiid, but, again, I thought, um, you know, I thought you did a pretty good job on Embiid last night. He made that huge block shot with a second left. i take take off Tatum over to playoff hard. I, I, Tatum I'm, was great I'm, in 2020. He was great in 2019. Yeah, but how close game. was
1: Tatum ever to getting the Celtics to a championship? Let's be real. In 2018, that Eastern Conference was very, very weak, and that's why the Celtics were one game away from the finals. Uh, even, in, uh, even in 2020, Tate, Harden was definitely closer to getting the 2018 Rockets to a final than Tatum was getting the 2020 Celtics to, 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 to a championship. So I'm still taking James Harden, definitely still taking James Harden over uh, over Jason Tatum. I know Harden's had his bad days in the postseason. The, the, the game six against the Warriors, quitting in game six against the Spurs. But for what he did... In two thousand for what he did in uh oh eight for in two thousand eighteen with the Rockets he, he if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt they probably win the championship and 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 then you go to uh you go you go to last year he was hurt during that series against the against the Nets so I'm still taking I'm still taking Jason Tate, uh, James Harden over Jason Tatum regardless if it's playoffs or regular season I still I
2: don't know. I know Harden's had some good moments I think like right now in the future we're talking about like I. I I I take I just again I can't trust James Harden again since he quit on the Rockets and he got all, he got fat. He his, his groin has been an issue. Who doesn't say that's gonna become a problem? Tatum's been healthy this year. just said he puts he's played in seventy one games. Again, I think James Harden could shoot you out a game. I guess Tatum could too as well. But I like the young. I like his versus again. Tatum's a much better defender, defender than James Harden is. I take him defensively over him. I think he could slow down James Harden in a, in a game against the Sixers. I think if Robert Williams is healthy in that series, i I take Robert Williams. I think he could defend. Robert Williams is the only player right now in the NBA. His opponents are shooting like less than 40%. I'll take Jason Tatum's defense. I'll take his shot making. Yeah, he, again, Harden's probably a more prolific scorer. And again, when Harden's on, Harden's on, he could drop 50. But I don't know if I can trust that in a seven-game series with Harden anymore. I just don't know if I can. I, I'll take it with Jason Tatum, who's, who's um, you know, 24 years old.
1: We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens once we get to the postseason. But one of the big moves that happened last week is the mayor lifted the restrictions for athletes. Eric Adams lifted the restriction for athletes in New York to compete in home games. So now Kyrie Irving can, can play in home games, and I think this really changes changes a lot, changes everything. I think the Nets are clearly a top two team in the Eastern Conference, especially with Kyrie being able to play home games. They just got to hope they don't play that play-in tournament game in Toronto. They, mm-hmm. they definitely got to hope for that. But you know, I think right now, if they don't play in Toronto, I think the Nets are are the second best team in the Eastern conference. And and, and they just got to hope they don't meet up with the Sixers before they get to the Eastern conference, to the Eastern conference finals.
2: Yeah. You know, right now the Nets, I'd put, um, I put them, I haven't third. I have the six a little bit better. I don't chemistry wise. I don't know what the Nets can get there. What's going on with Ben Simmons. And can we, I, you know, I know he's probably gonna be like the fourth, fifth probably score option on that team. I don't, I don't know if I, I want to, I don't know if I can throw James Harden yet. I mean, um, you know, Ben Simmons, yet yeah. Joe Harris is out for the remainder of the year. I don't, you know, and I, I, and I know, and the thing about Durant and Kyrie are too, like, I don't think it doesn't, yeah, as long as they just stay out of that play and they don't have to play in Toronto, they'll be fine. Because I think Kyrie and Kevin Durant, game seven, it doesn't matter if it's Barkley's or, you know, Milwaukee, whatever, whatever, they're going to go in there. They, they, and they got a chance. I know home court doesn't matter as much as it used to. Especially when you got two guys like that, so I it's very close between the Sixers and the Nets for me. I right now I, I you know and I know I said I do not really trust James Harden. I like what Joel and B did last so, year. So so
1: do you like the Celtics the best team in the Eastern Conference right now?
2: Right, the way they're playing, yeah. Uh, I, I,
1: the Celtics the best. So you see so you have the Celtics, Nets or Sixers as top. Yeah. Celtics, Nets, Sixers, top three.
2: Yep, and then probably Bucks Heat, and I, I hate putting the Heat fifth with all their depth, but like the way they've been playing lately, I have them not. And, not the, been playing and the
1: problem with them is they don't have that true. They probably, as we if, if were saying, like, if you're drafting like Embiid, Harden, Durant, uh, even Kyrie, Tatum, you're probably taking, uh, you're taking him like fifth or sixth or seventh in a draft, Jimmy Butler.
2: Yeah. No, probably, you know, and I, I and I think they have as much depth as anybody, but yeah, I think, you know, missing that superstar, because when's the last time the Eastern Conference has been this loaded?
1: Been a while, 20, yeah. It's, it's been, been, a, been a while, been probably, a probably in the guy. 90s, uh, close to that,
2: yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, like, I, I love the heat and I love that organization, but yeah, I just I, I think you know, they're they got great depth, but yeah, I think they're missing that true superstar that could put them over the edge in, in, in the playoffs. So that's kind of what I worry about the heat, so that's why I have fifth, unfortunately. But yeah, I had the I had like the Nets, sixers, like it's a toss up, and then had the Bucks, but yeah, I, I think you know, for me. With the Sixers, I, I look Embiid just been an unstoppable force this year. Um, You know, can I trust Tyrese Max in the playoffs this year? I because he's he's had a really good season. I know he had a bad night last last night, but he's been good all year. Like he can kind of be that third option for him. I kind of like to see a little bit better than that. I just you know what's going to happen now that Kyrie can play like every game. Like is, you know, does he does there one game where like he's physically I, I you know tired after you know a couple games and then. And then also, like, the last thing, too, I'll mention for this is they may – the Nets may have to play three teams, too, that are over 50 wins to get to the – um just to get to the finals. Like, I think that, too, like, it's going to be a gauntlet. Like, they're not going to have – I know, like, even, you know, the Cavs get out – the Cavs are going to be a tough series for somebody. But, like, it's going to be a gauntlet for them to get out of, you know, those two rounds. They have to play, like, the Heat or Bucks to start out. And then maybe playing, like, the Sixers – in like the second round, it's just going to be a gauntlet for him. And I think, you know, by the, by the Eastern Conference semifinals or finals, whoever they play, I, I think, it, you know, game six, game seven, they could kind of wear on because it's just, it's, it's going to be a gauntlet for them to get through that.
1: Absolutely. You made a good point there about like, and because the teams that get the team that gets the calves or the, or the Hawks, if both of them end up making the playoffs and not the plan, but the playoffs, they're, they're, I think those teams are going to be in an advantage because they're not going to have a t- that tough because they don't, one of those teams will win those first game series in first round series in six games max. These other teams say the Nets play like the six hey the Sixers and Nets play against each other. That's gonna be a really competitive series and then say like the the Nets have to play like or the Nets or Sixers have to play the Bucs and they'll say the Bucs beat like the 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 Cavs in the first round, the net the Bucs will definitely have the advantage.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that could be something that kind of haunts them you know by, by the time later time. Yeah, because again like everybody in the Eastern kind of like the top 10 are right now Like you saw what the Hawks would do, but yet you know last year. But yeah, like again, getting those one or two seeds in that conference is gonna be crucial. Um, you know, they kind of help those guys out. I don't
1: think the two will be I think the two seeds kind of screwed because I think the two seed's probably gonna play the Nets. I think the one seed and the three seed, say the Cavaliers make it, they finish top eight. I think the one seed and the three seed, that's gonna be crucial.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, because it's gonna it's gonna go right down Yeah, you yeah, absolutely. That's it's a great point because yeah because you don't want to play those Nets in the first round because that that's not a uh, that's not a good matchup with all the talent they have, um, so yeah it, it, it's gonna be a, a, a gauntlet here the Eastern Conference you know in the playoffs here but yeah you know the Nets I think are right there with the Celtics but um or I just I mean the Sixers right now the Southern States for me right now I'd like the one two
1: yeah I got my top five are uh, Sixers Nets Bucks uh, Heat and then Celtics.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so Celtics for me, two Sixers, three Nets, four Bucks, and then five Heat.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. They're all contenders to win a championship, so we'll see what happens with those five teams. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J. For our producer, Jace Garcia, you did a great job, and for Justin and I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week recapping the national championship game. Will Justin have to praise Coach K? Who Coach K after his after if after he wins the national championship? And we'll be doing our baseball pre our our preview for the baseball season. Have a great weekend, everyone. Joel first down, wide open. It's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is of av- is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team.
0: Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it oh, in oh. off the glass. How about
2: that? Porter Morger, I think, right now is the best coach of college basketball. Hands down. Finch two for three.
1: He's done his part.
0: Pitch is drilled the deep right
1: field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not They're even close to the best organization in baseball.
2: They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello,
0: my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Showing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, the Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting Clovercrestmedia.com.